This podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only. Copyright disclaimer under Section 107 of the Copyright Act of 1976. Allowance is made for fair use for purposes such as criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, education, and research. Fair use is a use permitted by copyright statute that might otherwise be infringing. All rights and credit go directly to its rightful owners. No copyright infringement intended. Welcome to episode I of My Guria. I don't even know what number this one is. I guess we're still in season two. I'm your host, Julie Finley. As I said before, the show's uncensored. Today, we're going to be discussing shitty jobs, films, music, and anything else I feel like complaining about. This is another long episode, but not as long as some of the other ones, so I'll just get comfortable. Welcome back to my Guria. It has been a long fucking time since I have done an episode. I would say it's been easily over a year and a half. And the reason I had stopped was because I had found a job. Yeah, I did. I was working my fucking ass off for the past year and a half. Only to be let go recently for company, whatever they called it, restructuring. Whatever the fuck that's supposed to mean. So, yeah, that was the nice steaming pile of shit that's been dropped on me. Hence the reason this show is, I've got time to do this. Actually, I really don't have time to do this, but it seems that I'm itching to fucking rant to an invisible crowd of people, because, crowd. Yeah, I fucking wish. I wish I had a, I wish I had this monetized and that I could actually fucking make some money off of this shit. But, you know, I don't because, well, because I throw the songs in the show and yeah, I can't monetize that. There's probably some parody fucking fair use workaround, which I do obviously start the show with my little fair use disclaimer But if I wanted to make money off of this shit, which I can't even believe I offered this for fucking free, considering I know what these content creators, yeah, I fucking just love that term, content creator. Just asshole is more like it, because that's what I was working for, was a content creation company, if you want to call it that, which honestly, it's probably going to fucking fail, and I hope that it does, and I've seen their graphics since I was... uh, laid off and it looks like goddamn horse shit. But yeah, I'm not even going to venture into that because I guess I'm already starting this off with like fucking anger about, you know, shitty jobs. And this will be my shitty job inclusion on this because I'm already looking at so many fucking other jobs on these boards. It's to the point where they're so shitty. I can't even fucking concentrate. I don't have time to single one specifically out because they're all fucking bad. And I will say this is a wonderful new fucking development that we have going on is I would say 90% of the jobs you will see on fucking websites like Indeed or LinkedIn are fucking scams. They're not even real companies. These are assholes that are finding the company information, finding a name of somebody who works there 
And yes, I have already had my information compromised by some fake company because they've gotten more sophisticated at making it look like a real company. Oh, yes. Julie, you? You got duped? Yeah, I did get fucking duped. And it's because these fucking assholes will steal the marketing information. Like I said, they will find the phone number and email and all this shit on somebody who works for that company, making it look very legitimate. And you, as a person who is looking for a job, you're not really supposed to take into account that somebody's trying to rip you off further, but yet there they fucking are. Okay, I got to fucking take a breath for a moment. My head's already going to explode because, yeah, I still get migraines. (laughs) I've gotten the new development of perimenopause with migraines, which causes fucking visual blurring. And yet I'm still not considered to be disabled enough to ever get any kind of fucking help in this society. And that leads me to this. This is something you guys may not know about when it comes to shitty jobs. If you are holding on to a fucking shitbag job, and if you are making under $315 a week, you will be denied unemployment. That's right. Doesn't matter if you worked every whatever is it. Their their minimum is 20 weeks out of the year. Yeah, well, I worked consistently for a year and a fucking half, and I was laid off, not fired, and I did not quit, yet the government has turned around and said, hey, you know what? You didn't make enough money, so we're not going to give you anything despite being the fucking honest person that you've been. And they give you the opportunity to appeal, which will go nowhere because my claim sat on fucking ice for over a month to begin with. So I'm not holding my breath in that department as far as will I get some compensation. No, I know I fucking won't because I'm not a fucking lying piece of shit that fucking comes up with scams to, to, to fuck the system within. I don't do that. And I don't come up with fake jobs to hire people that don't exist. Well, no, the people exist, but they're a company that doesn't exist. I'm not that kind of fucking low life. However, I am treated like dog shit over and over and over and fucking over again, stepped on and wiped on somebody's lawn. I don't fucking know. Yeah, I'm pissed. Clearly, I'm fucking pissed in this episode. It's been a while since I've been just, you know, yelling and ranting. So what has fucking changed since the last episode other than my shitbag job situation? Well, Hitler died. That fucking sucked. What else happened? That I was able to go on vacation. Holy shit. I was able to do that while I was still employed. So I actually had money I could spend on my fucking trip. Yeah, if I want to go anywhere now, I got all the fucking time in the world, but no money to spend on it. So what else has happened? Oh, well, since I don't get diarrhea anymore, I just seem to have fucking chronic constipation. Thanks to what the fuck is a stupid medication I take, Stratera. For ADHD, that doesn't fucking help anyway. I should just get off the shit. But it's really hard to get off of it once you're on it, of course, because they, you know, you got to get hooked on something. As far as diarrhea, though, Fruity's had lots of diarrhea recently. That's that's definitely the case with hers. In fact, hers was bloody. And a thousand fucking dollars later after being at the vet, they really didn't have a fucking answer for me as to why my dog is shitting blood in the fucking yard. But she seems to be doing better, except that she still got diarrhea. Other than that, I have adopted a new cat. 
back in July when I was still employed, when I thought, oh, yeah, I got the funds I can take care of a fucking animal. Yes, I adopted a kitten. His name is Fonzie. He's beautiful. And any of you who are friends with me on social media have seen how beautiful that little boy is and how fucking fast he's growing. At least that is the one of, one of the few good things. And I mean, I'll go back to the idea of as far as good things to talk about. You know, when I said I went to Scotland and I went to Glasgow, well, I mean, that's where I went in Scotland was Glasgow and a day trip to Lac Lamond and Sterling in the Trossachs National Park. It was a fucking wonderful trip. I'd move there if I could because I hate this fucking place. I hate this fucking country. I hate everything the fuck about it. And no, I'm not getting on a political platform here. I just fucking hate this fucking place. I really fucking do. I, I, I can't even fucking take one more minute of the absolute depravity of the state of things of this fucking country. And here I am. I have to be an honest person and work my way through it only to get fucking shit on over and over again. But enough of that. I'm sure there's plenty of people who get completely shit on in Scotland too. But let me tell you, their demeanor was a hell of a lot better than these fuckheads here in this country with their fucking run you off the road, road rage, cut in front of you in fucking line, blow off fireworks in the middle of the fucking night, you know, just racing with their fucking crotch rockets up and down the roads, just, you know, noise pollution, inconsideration, one after the next. It's just, it's just endless. All right. Well, as far as anything else good that has happened, well, at least I got to go to a few concerts so far this year, which, you know, obviously when I first started the show, there was no fucking chance in hell I was going to be going to any concerts. So I have seen in this past year, well, actually I'll say last year after the show I did, I did get to see Kraftwerk as well as Tom Jones. And this past year I've gotten to see Kicks. Yes, the the glammy metal band from the 80s. This was the last time they were ever going to be touring. I got to see Duran Duran, and just recently I got to see Nick Cave in concert, Nick Cave's solo tour, and I haven't seen Nick Cave perform live in over 20 years. He never plays Ohio, and you know what? I wouldn't blame him if he never came back to this fucking hellhole. Because you know what? There's people in the audience like shouting fucking songs while he's playing. It's like, what the fuck? He ain't a goddamn jukebox. You know, it's just fucking rude. That's what I mean. Talk about people with their fucking senses of entitlement and shit behavior. It may sound like I sound like I'm entitled because I wanted unemployment benefits for getting laid off from a job for not doing a goddamn thing wrong. I did everything right. But I feel, yes, I am entitled to that because I did everything fucking honestly. All right. So this episode, episode I, this episode is going to have in it, as far as the movies I'm covering, they will start with the letter I. As far as the music I will be showcasing in this episode, it'll, every, it won't be bands that start with I, because I'm switching some, some shit up here a little bit. Not, not a big deal. And it's mainly because in my library of music, yeah, the letter I isn't really that vast. There's not really even enough shit in there, that's enough bands, enough musicians that start with I to fill up the show, basically. So there are a few, but, you know, they're not even anything I feel like fucking listening to. I don't even want to fucking share it. It's, not, it's like shit that's like kind of collected dust in my my library. So then I'm thinking, all right, well, then I'll come up with songs that start, start with the letter I. Then I thought, no, 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 no. 
no, this is what I'm going to do. Every fucking song is going to have, it's going to be a first person perspective. Every song is going to have I, I am, I've, something like that in the title. So let's start this fucking show with, I'm going to play this one because I'm surprised I haven't already played it in a previous episode, but I should have. This is, well, maybe I did fucking play it. Did I play it in fucking episode B? I can't even, I can't remember. But even if I did and I, and I'm just playing it again, who gives a shit? It's my fucking show. The song I'm going to play is by the Beasts of Bourbon. This is I Don't Care About Nothing Anymore.
Welcome back to my Gurria. You just heard, as I said before, it was Beasts of Bourbon. I don't care about nothing anymore. From their, uh, what the fuck year was it? 2007 Little Animals album. And that song couldn't sum up how I feel more about, oh, I don't know, the fucking current shit that's going on in the world. Let's move on. The song after that was The Thus, I've Been Waiting for Tomorrow All My Life from 1983's Soul Mining. Yet another theme I find myself relating to probably more than I should. This is episode I. Those were two songs that had the first person narrative of I don't care and I've been waiting. I'm going to keep with that theme overall, but yet I did say there was going to be like a movie review during this episode or two or however I feel like fucking going with here. So the first one I'm going to tackle is a film, what the fuck year is it from? I'm guessing about 1967-ish. It's The Island of Terror. And you will hear what the trailer sounds like. Well, have your attention, please. I'm Dr. West, and this is Dr. Stanley. Now, we've completed going over Dr. Phillips's notes, and I must warn you that we're faced with a very dangerous situation, Dr. Stanley. A remote island destined for total destruction. there's something running loose on this island, you can't leave me alone. Tony, this could Please. be both. Don't leave me alone. I'm not very keen on going down in that saddle again. Out of an experiment on life came a devastating death. Look safe. Science creates. Can science destroy? Now, this is very difficult to explain, but there are some creatures loose on this island, and they're dangerous. What do you mean, creatures? I wish I could tell you more, but we just don't know exactly what they are. Come on, let's get out of here. Listen to me! They're inactive now because they've divided, but we don't know for how long, and we can't stay here, so come on! Oh, David, I'm so proud! So Fiction or fact, this could really happen. Are you all right? No! There's one out here. Near the car, quick! Can this horror be destroyed? David, hmm? do you really think we can get out of this? Well, I think we, we stand a good chance, a very good chance, yes. But you don't really believe that, do you? Not 100%, no, but I'd like to believe it. Can these terrified people be saved from certain death? Fire, bullets, bombs could not penetrate its impregnable shell, but something did. What? See Island of Terror at this theater soon. 
on a tear. There was definitely a reason why I watched this film. It doesn't give it away in the trailer whatsoever. But yes, there was a reason I watched this film. And by the way, I want to make a correction. The film came out in 1966, not 1967. Not that that makes that much of a fucking difference. But just to be correct here, because, you know, there's enough fucking misinformation out there to begin with. Island of Tear, the reason why I set out to watch this one is, well, pretty shallow reasons that Peter Cushing was in it. And this was not a Hammer film, although it was directed by Terrence Fisher, who directed some of the best Hammer films. It was uh, also known as Night of the Silicates. <laughs> okay, which is kind of what, whatever. It was even lower budget production than a typical Hammer film. And apparently later in the future, if you've seen the film It Follows... I can tell It Follows lifted a lot from this film, except that It Follows obviously had a higher budget for better special effects in it because the creatures in this are pretty fucking hilarious. I don't even know what the fuck to describe what they look like, but it is. It's like these alien creature type of things or whatever. They come out of fucking, come from space and they start taking over this small island, which is supposedly off the east coast of Ireland. It's called, I think it was called Petries or Petries Island, which is probably something that doesn't exist anyway, but from what I looked up on this is that it wasn't filmed on any remote island anyway. Most of it was filmed on a soundstage, but some of the, the outdoor scenery was just, it was not an actual small island. Peter Cushing's character is, he's not, he's actually more, he, he's, okay, he's, he's listed as the star, but he's actually more of a supporting character in it. The main characters is this actor named Edward Judd, and I think he was supposed to be considered a handsome or hot guy at the time, but he really fucking wasn't. And there's an actress in it. I don't remember her name. You know, it's a typical good-looking 60s actress who was apparently supposed to have some kind of romance with this Edward Judge and uh, Judd. Judd, not Judge. Judd in the film. I don't remember his character's name. I remember that Cushing's name was uh, Dr. Stanley in it. I think the guy was the other guy was Dr. West, something like that. They're both supposedly experts on science and anthropology, diseases and shit like that. Well, anyhow, these these fucking things take over this island and they almost look like um oh my god, I can't even describe. It's a silly film, all right? And it is, you know, typical kind of like alien creature disease invasion film. Not particularly original, but when it was made in its day, there wasn't that many films of, I mean, there was films that came before it, science fiction films that came before it that were of that caliber, but it's, the, the type of story has been done quite a bit since then. There is a happy ending, I guess, which I won't go into that. I'm not going to say, I'm not even really say what happens in it. I'll just say that... Peter Cushing has some of the fucking weirdest lines in this movie. He's kind of, he gets sort of a, some bad luck in it. He doesn't, his character doesn't get killed, but his hand gets cut off, which was kind of gross for, I mean, you didn't really see it coming, but yeah, he, his character, and I know I'm not talking that heavily about it because it's works. I'm trying to like talk about it without giving away what the fuck happened in it. But yeah, he has the funniest lines in it that are just so kind of, they're kind of out of, they don't even seem like they fit in the script, but that was part of the, that, I thought that was like the best part of it because it was like, you don't expect it. And you hear this kind of, this weird dialogue fit into other dialogue and you're just kind of like, wait, what? Did he just fucking say what I think he said? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one was pretty funny. I definitely recommend it if you like old science fiction horror films that are about invasions. Now, I have this on a double DVD, and the other film 
on this DVD is, well, it also starts with, well, one of the names of it starts with I. It's Island of the Burning Doomed, but it's more known as Night of the Big Heat. And that one stars Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing in this one, but I would say Cushing's role's very small in it. He's only kind of, I'd say he's even less than a supporting role in it, but Christopher Lee is the, is the, the driving force in the film. Neither one of them make it out all that well in it. And I'm going to play you the uh, the trailer for this one as well. What is that strange noise and burning white heat that drove people to their death? I have been convinced that this island has become the center of an invasion. The central landing point for beings from another planet. <laughs> What happens when an unknown power from outer space uses our radar signals as life-saving beacons to bring it to Earth to consume our energy? Island of the Burning Damned, an island desperate for help. So that one, Island of the Burning Damned, also known as Island of the Burning Doomed, and also mostly known as Night of the Big Heat, this one came out in 1967, right after Island of Terror. And both of these films apparently were filmed at the same fucking time. That's why Cushing wasn't in this one as much because he was busy filming the other film at the same time. A lot of things that would happen back in those days to get production going is they would schedule areas to film at and they just film two films simultaneously and sometimes just use the same scenery. And they, they pretty much did to an extent in this one, but they focused it around a hotel or an inn that where some of this um, activity was happening. And most of the film takes place within that. And again, this one's also filmed or filmed, directed by Terrence Fisher. I believe it was more than likely the same production company. And all this stuff, it was kind of running simultaneously. But the title of it, Island of the Burning Doomed, I believe was the title they gave it for when it was shown on American TV. And a lot of times, apparently from what I was reading, is that it strangely got paired up with Godzilla's Revenge because it was like it was made in 67, but they didn't actually really release it until a few years later. And a, a lot of times, I guess some of the people got it, got it confused with Island of Terror. And I could see why. So basically, there's like this remote island... Another one of those. <laughs> Somewhere off the English coast this time. The last one had more of an had more Irish references in it. This one definitely more maybe British Welsh kind of thing. I can't remember what they called the island, like Farrell or Pharaoh or something like that. Not Pharaoh Islands, like whatever. So it's this couple, this married couple that run this inn, and the guy, apparently he's also a novelist of some sort. He hires a secretary, but it turns out it's somebody he's had an affair with some time before. And the guy who plays this character is this actor named Patrick Allen. 
He's actually considered more the lead in this. And his character's just kind of a dickhead. I'll just say that up front. He's kind of a fucking dick. It's like he, you know, obviously fucked around on his wife, who's apparently just blind to it. But the guy and his wife, they went to this island to fucking run this hotel or they bought her or whatever. The girl basically follows in there because she's a fucking stalker. And he wanted to cut the romance off with this. I don't know. It is, it, that part of it was like a soap opera. But at the hotel, there's this character, it's Christopher Lee's character. And he's this scientist who, I guess, comes from the mainland, who runs the room. And he's being really secretive in a lot of ways, but he's also exploring the island and setting up these weird cameras and taking soil samples and shit like that. And the locals find him suspicious, considering that they don't really know why he's there, except that everyone notices that it's extremely fucking hot outside, kind of like those massive heat waves they had in the UK, I believe it was not this past season, but the last summer before that. Even though when I was in Scotland earlier this year, it was strangely very warm there when I went. And that was in late May. And from what the locals told me, that was not a typical situation to be having as far as weather. In fact, I only think I had one 15 minutes of rain when I was there, if that. And I was indoors, so it didn't even fucking matter. So anyhow, back to what I was saying about this movie. So the people that run the inn and some of the locals, they don't really like Christopher Lee's character because they don't know what the fuck he's up to. But he's really just a scientist who's trying to figure out what the hell is going on. But on this island, people are hearing like this really weird high-pitched sound, which you heard in the trailer. And some of the the sheep are dying and they're finding them. They're like completely incinerated overnight. And I don't know, there's a couple of locals that get attacked and then people get blinded by certain bright lights and it explodes the car, blah, 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 blah. So the owner finally at some point, he he confronts Christopher Lee's character and wants to know, what the hell are you doing here? What's going on? What he states is basically that the island is, is a site of an invasion by extraterrestrials. <laughs> who apparently have like this ability to emit extremely high temperatures that burn any living creature that gets too close to them. So this guy, the owner of the inn, sort of team up to stop the, the aliens. And there's a local doctor and the doctor's played by Peter Cushing. He's just kind of a guy that just sort of drinks at the at the inn. There's like a bar at the inn. And it's funny because they really tried to make everybody look super overheated in this film. Everyone's sweaty in it. And it's even the suit that Peter Cushing had on. It was made to look like he had like sweaty armpits through his suit. That's like an old tactic used where they would put Vaseline on clothing to give it that look because they didn't want it to dry out. So some of the aliens kill some people and whatever. And well, there's another guy that gets pulled into it. I guess he was some colleague. I can't even remember. There's two guys that get pulled in it in the end and who sort of save the day. But what sucks is that, okay, Cushing's character offers to help and he gets fucking killed as soon as he tries to help, basically. <laughs> Christopher Lee's character witnesses some other woman, I believe it was, another local woman who just incinerates in front of him, which is one of these other guys in it. It's th these other guys that show up at the end. He witnesses this woman die and he realizes that the aliens are attracted to light, so he devises a plan to lead them there. But the aliens destroy communications, equipment, and stuff like that. So he can't really call to the other guys for help. So they sort of lure the aliens to this light and they signal with flare pistols and shit. But Lee's character and one of their guys gets killed. But then rain comes and saves the day. I know that was about the worst description of a film you've probably ever fucking heard. And I actually just told you what happened in it when I was trying not to. <laughs> 
Oh, fucking well. But yes, I have this movie as well as Island of Terror on the same Blu-ray DVD. I don't know what year this was put out or what fucking company put it. Oh, it looks like it. From what I'm reading, it was put out in 2022. They're definitely worth watching both of them. If you have the time, if you're fucking bored as shit in the winter or whatever. It's a good one to watch in the same day, especially if you're like freezing cold and you really just want to get the perception of warmth, I guess. So that's wrapping up this review of these two films and we will move on from here. But anyhow, since I somehow slip in my a bit, inform- a bit of information about the recent trip to, to Scotland, it's appropriate at this time to play yet another song, so I'm going to be picking out on this one, I Travel by Simple Minds, oh, what a what a shocker there, from their 19, I think it's 80 or 81, man, I can't fucking remember this shit anymore, album Empires and Dance, this is I Travel. <laughs>
So that was I Spy by Pulp, and before that, And I Travel by Simple Minds from their Empires and Dance album from 1980. The Pulp one, I Spy, was from 1994's Different Class, and that whole fucking album is, I know that's what made a big deal. They were fucking awesome before that, but that was what put them really on the map, even though, in case you didn't know, Pulp had actually been a band since 1978. Anyhow... Back on my Gurria episode, I, I know I said before that I didn't have a shitty job post to uh, read for this episode, but I have found one. And this one I thought was particularly awful. I mean, they're all fucking awful, but this one, here it goes. I'm not going to say the company, but it fucking starts off with this shit. Before applying, read the entire capitalized post. Please note. Incomplete submissions or candidates who deviate from the exact steps below will be disregarded. Oh, I'm not going to say the name of the company, but let's just say they're a company that makes gun ammunition. Much of our success can be attributed to the strength of our marketing efforts. To build on our momentum, we are currently seeking a highly effective and results-driven marketing coordinator to join our dynamic ammunition business. This role will be crucial in contributing to existing marketing programs while assisting with the development, and development is spelled wrong, of new initiatives aligned with company goals. The ideal candidate will have experience in a wide range of marketing functions, including communications, advertising, branding, how advertising, comma, branding, digital, and social media. The marketing coordinator must be an organized multitasker, able to handle many diverse projects simultaneously and meet tight deadlines. What this role is, I-S, capital letters. This role is for the Standfast Patriot. I think they mean steadfast, but, you know, they're fucking morons. Who believes in the Second Amendment and wants to grow along with a young, disruptive company in the industry. The fact that they use disruptive, even if they weren't a fucking ammunition company, I already hate them. This role is for those who are nimble and adaptable and eager to learn and take direction from experienced industry experts. Well, they're certainly not grammar experts because apparently there's fucking words misspelled here, etc. This role is for an aspiring marketing professional who knows how to leverage multiple platforms and formats to market a premium product to a specific customer avatar. Yeah, those terms... Specific customer avatar. I heard those fucking terms on my last job. And why don't they just say audience? Anyhow, what this role is not. This role is not for the timid or woke. And not for those who want to work in the industry because it's cool. This role is not for those who need a safety net and operate in a place of fear and excuses. This role is not for anyone who does not believe in defending our Second Amendment rights that protect all the rest of our human rights. Is this for you? If you answered yes, keep reading! Duties and responsibilities. Your primary responsibilities are to ensure that all marketing efforts serve immediate and long-term business goals by identifying and executing improvements for processes, content, and lead generation. By curating and producing content from fill-in-the-blank company, you will build and execute an experience through the lens of creative storytelling. Execute creative marketing and advertising campaigns according to the company strategy and content schedule. 
Manage our presence across all social media platforms, Instagram, YouTube, Rumble. What the fuck is Rumble? I mean, I've worked in social media shit. What's fucking Rumble? It's probably some, I don't care. LinkedIn, Truth Social, <laughs> Twitter, etc. I like how they didn't throw in Facebook. They, just, they probably have a target on fucking Zuckerberg, where his fucking name is. Generate brand and event awareness and practice storytelling to increase awareness of company vision and goals. Conduct research of market trends, customer behavior, and competitor landscape, and prepare reports by analyzing and summarize data. Have these motherfuckers ever heard of a comma? You're not supposed to use and that many times in a sentence, and there's, there's no punctuation here. Support company leadership in establishing and evaluating marketing strategy by assembling sales forecasts, setting objectives, organizing promotional presentations, and updating calendars. Communicate campaign objectives, timelines, and deliverables to sales team and provide instructions for usage and promotion. Again, no, I'm, I'm, I'm adding fucking periods and commas and stuff in here just so I can speak. Continually seek new sources of prospective customer data and provide recommendations to company leadership. Establish and maintain relationships as the voice of the company and CEO through enragement. <laughs> Engagement with online community via content, comments, and messaging. This role is a great opportunity for a recent marketing graduate or someone who is early in their career and hungry to grow with an explosive company. And they had the balls to write, see what we did there. Okay, skills and experience, willingness and passion to work in the firearms industry and community is required. Wait, what? Willingness and passion to work in the firearms industry and community is required. So they wouldn't hire somebody who was perfectly qualified, even if they didn't fucking fire a weapon before or had any desire to. I mean, wouldn't that be more of a professional when you th wouldn't you think about that for a moment? Somebody who could actually... Take on a job like this and remain non-objective. Minimum of two years experience in a similar marketing or social media role. Passionate about creating content and connecting with people. Experience using MS Office, tasking software such as Asana, and shared folder systems such as OneDrive and Dropbox. Experience using email software. Knowledge of Creative Adobe Creative Cloud preferred. Video editing skills, a huge bonus. Get it done, no excuses, self-starter attitude with a focus on bringing good ideas and hard work to the table. Growth mindset, looking for learnings and looking for learnings and every experience and consistently seeking improvement. Excellent written and verbal communication skills because they fucking don't have any. Both short and long form, including the confidence and ability to persuade and convince others of your opinion with data and facts. You mean, you know, bully somebody with your bullshit. Highly organized with attention to detail, reliable internet connection to work from anywhere in the continental USA. You must have your own phone, reliable transportation, and computer laptop. Also, provide my own shit because you guys are too fucking cheap to do so. Please provide links, profile names to your social media profiles so they can stalk you. Compensation. In addition to salary, this position offers unique benefits. Oh, I bet it does. Not only are you able to work from home, but your hours can be tailored to fit your life. After the 90-day provisionary period, you'll be eligible for unlimited paid vacation with approval. That means you're not getting any. You will have access to our top quality ammunition at a discounted rate. You know, for all that killing you're going to have to be doing. Finally, you'll get to attend fun ammunition events and help test our products at the range. No, thanks. Please note that due to the nature of our business, a thorough background check will be conducted before hiring. Yeah, it better be. You don't need fucking psychos. But then again, I mean, I'm going to assume these are fucking psychos writing this. Only candidates meeting the specific qualifications and requirements will be considered. 
In application instructions, you must complete both of these steps below, which would be apply with your resume on the platform I saw it on, and then finish the application on their website. Ah, see, cover letter. You need to write a persuasive cover letter introducing yourself, your position on the Second Amendment, and why you're a perfect fit for the role. You need to do uh, some kind of DISC personality test to take the DISC, D-I-S-C assessment. What the fuck is that? Upon completion under the profile tab, go to the very bottom and look for downloads and personality poster. Got to have references, writing samples as stated at the top of this posting, incomplete submissions or candidates who deviate from the exact steps above will be disregarded. We are an equal opportunity employer and all qualified applicants will receive consideration for employment without regard to race, color, religion, national origin, sex, sexual orientation, age, disability, marital or veteran status or any other protected class. Sure. And that says you have to be on call as needed. You want to know how much this fucking pay is? (laughs) 35,000 per year to put up with this shit. Salaried. I think this one pretty much covers the shitty job report for this episode of My Guria. And on that note, I'm going to be playing from 1989, Sweden's very own Shotgun Messiah from their self-titled album called Shotgun Messiah. This is I Don't Care About Nothing.
And that was Nitzer Ebb with I Give to You from their 1991 Ebheb album on Mute Records, back when Mute Records used to actually have good shit on it. Pretty much everybody that was ever really good that was ever on the label is pretty much not, not on there anymore. They've like kind of branched out. You might get one or two. I think maybe Mick Harvey actually might still be on Mute, and that's about it. I know he's got a new album out with um, a newer vocalist. Her name is Amanda. I think her last name is pronounced Acevedo. Acevedo. It's called Phantasmagoria. And actually, I've listened to a few tracks on it and I was pretty impressed so far. But I'm not going to veer off too much of that. I actually do have one other movie review I was going to tackle here. And I'm going to play you the sound file of the trailer and then I will continue my review of this movie. It is called The Isle. And it's a movie from, I believe, 2019. And it is not a film that has Lee or Cushing in it, if you can believe that. However, it is a film that took place in Scotland. Here's the clip. They're coming, aren't they? Who are? Three of them. Survivors. They can help us. So how many were you aboard? Sixteen. And you were the only survivors. We were thinking of exploring the island. There's nothing out there. Not anymore. This is a dead isle. We're only here because we have no choice. Where is everyone? What happened? I have a bad feeling, sir. This is happening again. It's this island. What the hell is going on? You tell me the truth and you tell me now. Leave now, you mustn't be here. You leave them be. We have to get off this island. They won't let me. So The Isle, this was a movie that, as you could hear, sounds like it has a lot of intrigue in it. Well, basically, this is the deal with this one. The trailer looked actually very interesting. There's a blurb that pops up in the screen in the trailer that compares it to being somewhere between The Wicker Man and The Witch. And I would have to say that is a very, very confident thing to say when it is nowhere near as good as either one of those films. Now, was it bad? No. Could you figure out what was going to happen in it? Yes. Some of the acting was pretty bad, too. Some of the acting was fine, but some of it was just pretty bad. Now, the film involves these three sailors who it's supposed to take place during like the Victorian era, I believe. And there's these three guys that are shipwrecked and they're, I guess, the one that would be the captain or the second in command of what the captain would have been on the big ship. He's severely injured. There's one guy that's just pissed off and another dude who is trying to navigate. So the guy who's trying to navigate notices land, which you hear a guy yelling land in the beginning of the audio clip. So they end up on this island that's supposedly off the western side of Scotland. 
I believe they said they may have been coming from Belfast. I don't remember that exact detail. I could be fucking wrong about that. I watch so much shit. Sometimes the stuff starts overlapping. But anyhow, they end up on this island. It looks abandoned because it basically is. This one character named McLeod finds these three guys and, and takes them in. He's being pretty evasive about where they are, what the fuck's going on, where the hell everybody is. These guys are just kind of trying to just eat, get better. This guy McLeod suggests he go see this one woman on the island named Lanthe. So, I don't know. This wasn't that interesting of a film, but I'll, I'll try to go on a bit. Lanthe, however, is this woman who looks like the poor man's Patsy Kensett, which is probably not a fair thing to say about this this woman, but I guess her husband was the director of the film. She lives with this older man. It's not really clear right away what their relationship is, but as it turns out, that's her uncle. And, you know, there's this other girl who's kind of running feral around the island. I, you don't really know who the hell she is right away either. And she kind of meets up with this Lanthe girl saying, there's three men here. They can save us. So you're kind of thinking, all right, what the fuck's going on here? Were these like women held here captive or whatever? Not quite. <laughs> Basically, the I, you know, I'm going to try to sum this up a little bit quicker because I'm starting to forget what fucking happened in this movie because it really, like I said, it wasn't that interesting. But it wasn't horrible either. I think I just had higher hopes for it because I'm thinking, oh, yeah, kind of full core mystery takes place in the Scottish Hebridean Islands, but it didn't really take place there. It was like on the mainland of Scotland, some coastal craggy area. So, okay, these three shipwreck guys, one's a bitchy pain in the ass. One ends up dead first because the bitchy one thinks they should split up as they're trying to check out the island and that was a bad idea. So he ends up dead. The guy that was sort of the captain, apparently, he is told to stay behind and get better. And his horrible wound on his shoulder or whatever starts to heal pretty quickly after this lanthy woman puts this, I don't know, salve or whatever the hell it is on it. But there just seems to be this disconnect between the the women. They seem secretive, but full of sorrow. The men are trying to keep them there. And they give like these sort of false pretenses that there's a ferry boat or something that's going to come and get these soldiers so they can go back to the mainland. But that's not really going to happen at all either because it's a fucking dead island. It turns out the island's cursed and it's cursed with, I don't know, a bunch of shit. (laughs) Actually, I can't say it's cursed with a bunch of shit. It's more like it's cursed with, it has a history. There was people on the island at one time. This one girl character who you keep seeing flashes of and she keeps kind of showing up in corners. It's a, it's There's a ghost story element going on here, too. But she's a girl that was murdered on the island and it was covered up. And the two men who were remaining there, they didn't do it, but they figured out who did it. So they gave the girl a burial at sea or whatever and, you know, just tried to act like nothing happened. But... The reality was, was this girl was raped by some young man on the island who was a fucking prick. And because she was raped and then murdered by accident, her death was an accident, she would have probably been at peace hadn't her murder been covered up. So she haunts the island and it's not just a haunting, a straight up haunting. Oh, no, 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 no. She has control over the two 
other women because they are also, they bring in the folklore of Sirens into this. And she's the head Siren and the other two women, even though they're, they're alive, they're a trio of Sirens. And their song is what causes all these ships to wreck. And that's why these three guys end up there. But anybody who tried to leave the island before, their song killed them. So the two remaining men have to wear earplugs in their ears a lot of the time just so the singing of the sirens doesn't lure them to their death. Well, how it basically ends up is only one of the three guys survives and it's the guy who had the wound. And and I'll say he was pretty fucking easy on the eye. I mean, that was probably the best part of the film, quite honestly. I was kind of gawking it. Whoever that actor was, I don't know who the fuck he is. And the two guys help him get off the island, giving him earplugs, giving, giving him the one boat they had. The sirens, they kind of gather on the cliffs to try to lure him back. And the two live girls that were held under the spell on the island, they decide to commit suicide and break the spell of the sirens to let the man go. Yep, I just told you the whole plot of this film. I thought it would be better than it was. It wasn't that it was bad. I do like when there's old folklore brought into these current sort of mystery horror films or whatever. It kind of had a cheapness to it. It kind of had a cheap look to it. It wasn't that it was low budget and so low budget that it looked like you you saw like fucking the microphones in the corners or something like that. It wasn't that kind of low budget, but it was just, I don't know. There could have been much more to it than there was. It probably would have helped if the acting was better. But all right, that's my review of... The Isle. And since we were talking about Scotland before, I'm actually going to play a song because it started fucking raining outside (laughs) as I'm recording this. And I fucking hate rain. I'm really fucking sick of rain. And surprisingly, I managed to get through my trip to Scotland with very little rain, which was, I'm still in awe about that, but I know they get completely fucking washed out all the time. So the next song I'm going to play is by Eruption with Precious Wilson on vocals singing the classic, I Can't Stand the Rain. I can't stand the rain. When we were together, oh, 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 
I Can't Stand the Rain. It was a remix from 94 from one of their greatest hits albums, but the song originally came out in 1977, and I got that record, but I ripped this one off of CD, because actually this fucking band was pretty goddamn good, I gotta say, but I don't really know that much about them. (laughs) I'll just say, I'll just leave it like that, and the only reason why I even have this album is I found another, you know, there's so many stories of me finding these treasures in fucking bargain bins. It seems to be a thing that keeps happening, but that is the best way to fucking find shit. Not some asshole on the internet's fucking opinion in their in-depth review. And trust me, I've written enough in-depth reviews to know it's just, it's just my bias. And you know what? Why would anybody fucking care? Of course, if you are listening to this show, I guess you do care about my opinion somewhat. I barely care about my fucking own opinion sometimes. But at the same time, I guess I do. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this fucking shit. But anyhow, yeah, eruptions. I can't stand the rain. I found it in some fucking flea market bargain bin. And I I can't even believe this. It was in a bin that just said black music. As if that's just a genre. (laughs) 
Oh, jeez. I picked up a few other treasures in there, too, like this one group called Palatipus. I just had to buy it based on the fucking name. But the Eruption album was by far the best in that. Oh, yeah. I also have to note that bin of just black music, it was cheaper than all the other music at this fucking white trash flea market that I was at. I believe where I found it, I can't remember, was it, it was either in Warren, Ohio or Youngstown. I can't tell. They're both fucking shit bombs right next to each other. They kind of blend into one another. But whatever. That's not, that's not really the point. Speaking of Ohio, the other song I played was I Know What Boys Like by The Waitresses. And you're probably wondering, why the hell did I play that? Well, first of all, that song is fucking hilarious. It always has been hilarious and it always will be. Her voice, the girl, Patty Donahue, her voice is so fucking sarcastic and, and just nasally and snooty and snotty. It's just very funny. The song is fucking funny. And the thing is, the reason why I bring it up is because she's from Akron. I don't know if the whole band was from Akron, but I know they're loosely based in and around Akron and in Cleveland. And the songs were actually written by one of the other guys in the group. I believe his name was Chris Butler. And I know she was a student at Kent State, which is not far from my home. And the waitresses, they didn't last all that long. But as far as shit that came from Akron that I genuinely like other than Devo, I would have to say The Waitresses. Because first of all, the band isn't even bad. Actually, the music is, is pretty fucking tight in that band. And her voice is just so fucking funny. It's, it's perfect snotty. She almost sounds like... The only thing I can describe it as is if my old cat Kittler could sing, he would fucking sound like her. <laughs> But anyhow, that was from their album, uh, what the fuck was it called? Wasn't Tomorrow Wonderful? <laughs> but anyhow, that was like a, one of the, like I said, one of the few things that has come out of Akron that I genuinely liked. Anyhow, the song I Know What Boys Like, it sounds like a song you think I would actually hate. Well, I don't know, maybe it does seem like something I would like, but... I guess I'm kind of picky about girl attitude songs, but that one I just think is, is summed up perfectly. But do I agree with the sentiment? No, because I ain't got no fucking self-confidence to speak of. I mean, I wish I could have that kind of candor. I wish I had that kind of tood. I got tood in other ways, but that ain't one of them. My tood is more on par with this one. This is Anita Lane's I Hate Myself from 2001's Sex O'Clock.
said I like living a lie. Bright brittle smiles, gleaming and white, family colorless pride. I could break them in two with the glitter of my eyes. Anita Lane's I Hate Myself from her 2001 album Sex O'Clock, which was recently, sort of recently, I guess, in the past few years, re-released on vinyl. I don't have it on vinyl. I've had it on CD since it came out, actually. With my ADHD and depression, I bounce right into something like, I don't want to be happy <laughs> by James Chance and the Contortions from their, I believe, what the fuck album it was called, from the album by... I can't remember what year it came out, 78 or 79, something like that. But that song always fucking cracks me up because it's, well, there's some truth to it. <laughs> no, well, I don't know. I can't say that there's truth to it. It's more like it's a circumstance than a truth. Actually, I would like to be happy, but I'm not finding too much to be fucking happy about. At least not lately. I mean, this world is fucking shit. People act like complete and utter fucking animals towards one another. Nobody can have a civilized conversation anymore. Even if you agree with them on something, you can't have a civilized conversation. So there's a lot of shit, a lot of fucking shit. But given the fact that there's a lot of shit and there's something to be said about having your lowest of lows, then you're, you make fun of your lowest of lows. And then you have like these sort of moments of where you're so fucking low, but your mind is on like this sort of like, fuck, at least I'm not that bad. But I guess the one upside is that I am no longer tethered to any organization at the moment where I gotta watch what I say. Well, I still do that. I still watch what I say because I don't need a fucking lawsuit. <laughs> 
So when I mean that I am not tethered or tied to an organization, that means I am free of them. So in spirit of that, I would like to play the Who's I'm Free, but not from the Tommy original album, which is, I mean, the Tommy album is untouchable, but I actually really love the version of I'm Free from the Tommy Who soundtrack because Roger sounds that much more powerful in it, even though he sounds, he sounds great in the original, but it's more like breaking out of fucking jail kind of way of putting I'm Free. Of course, I could have just played Free Me off of McVicker soundtrack that he was in, but no, I'm Free seems to be where I, I guess I'm at at the moment mentally. No, I'm actually not at this moment. I'm not, I'm not at this level. I wish I was, but it'd be nice to feel that way. So here it is. I'm Free by The Who from the Tommy soundtrack on my Gurria. the end of this episode of my Gurria episode i you just heard the kinks excuse me <laughs> you just heard the who's i'm free from the tommy original soundtrack that was re-recorded for the the ken russell film reason i said the kinks is because i'm about to play the kinks because if i play the who 
I'm probably going to play the Kings too. And it's so fitting. But before I get to that, I just want to say thank you for listening. And maybe in the future, because I didn't have too many special moments in this particular episode. I didn't have any guest appearances. I didn't have any phone calls. I didn't have any jokes. Well, because I don't think any of you guys were actually, well, maybe a while back you were listening, but I put the feelers out and I didn't get any fucking bites from any of you. So because if I don't get any feedback and I don't get anybody that's actually interested in listening to more of this, then... I really should just not fucking do this because it's a kind of a labor of hate, not labor of love, a labor of hate. And it has not really brought me any joy to do this episode because it's been such a really shitty past few months for me. And it really comes down to the fact that I'm an outsider and an outsider to everybody and everything. And to conclude this episode, this song that I'm going to be playing sums it up nicely. This one is I'm Not Like Everybody Else by The Kinks from their 1966 Face to Face album. This one has Dave Davies lead on it, even though him and Ray sing together in parts. And depending upon the live performance, one will sing or the other one will sing. Funny tidbit about this song is that it was actually originally written for the animals, but they turned it down. And I'm just thinking to myself, I mean, I like the animals and all. They were a great band. But... If you have the fucking chance to sing a song pretty much given to you by Ray Davies and you say no, you're a fucking idiot. So this is the end of the episode. This is I'm Not Like Everybody Else by The Kinks. Thank you for listening to My Gurria. Maybe there'll be another episode in the future. I cannot promise anything. Goodbye. I won't take all the they have it down.
Do everything like you want me to There's one thing that I will say to you I'm not like everybody else 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 And I don't wanna run around like everybody else And I don't wanna live my life like everybody else And I don't wanna speak my life like everybody else Cause I'm not like everybody else I'm not like everybody Like everybody else, 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 like everyb